Welcome to A Certain Age, a show for women who are unafraid to age out loud. Beauties, a quick confession before we kick off the show. I got not one, but two haircuts within the past five days. Just this week, this very week. I hated the first one. Too puffy, not enough shape. So I got a follow-up emergency appointment a few days later with a different stylist at a different salon because I want to look in the mirror and like my hair. And I am not alone. The women's hair care market in the U.S. is billions and billions of dollars. Haircuts, hair care, hair dye, hair products. We are Generation G. Your hair smells terrific, and we want it to look terrific, too. Which brings me to my guest today. Dr. Mary Wendell is an expert in female hair loss and is the founder of Meditress, which offers both hair loss prevention and treatments for female hair loss. If you are experiencing a widening part, a thinning ponytail, more visible scalp, excessive shedding, a receding hairline, or patches of hair total loss, or if you want to learn how to stop any of those things from happening to you, stick around. This show is for you. Welcome, Dr. Wendell. Uh, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, I'm, I'm excited to cover this topic with you. I've spent some time on your website. I've read some of your blog posts. I know that hair loss prevention is not only a professional issue for you, it's, it's a personal one as well. I would love if we could just start with some stage setting. How and why did you develop an expertise in treating female hair loss? Well, it's actually been a very interesting journey. Um, I am a board-certified internist, which means I did primary care for many decades. But for my own personal journey, um, my grandmother, my father's mother, had extremely thin hair and in her 60s was already wearing a wig. And when I was a little girl, I thought, well, isn't this as cute? She would let us play with the wig. But as I got older, I realized this could be me. And it wasn't so cute anymore. And as I approached my perimenopausal years, I noticed my own hair beginning to thin. I always had fine hair, but I had enough of it, but it started to thin. So I sort of transitioned my work um, as I retired away from my primary care practice. I spent more and more time with hair loss and it became really much more than I expected. Um, it was a real journey for myself, trying to figure out what I could do to help myself finding out very early, um, you know, a good 20 years ago that there wasn't much to offer, but now we do. And um, it's taken a while for us to get to a place where we really can offer um, complete evaluation and treatment for women who are experiencing hair loss from a variety of causes. So it's been a long journey, an interesting one for sure, not a place where I thought I would be at this point in my life, but um, it has helped me, and I know we can we help other people as well, other women every day. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I I was sort of joking at the top of the show, you know, about my haircuts and you know looking in the mirror, but hair is such an integral part of how, you know, of identity, of feeling, um, you know, beautiful, of feeling presentable, and when people struggle with some of these symptoms that we talked about, you know, the receding hairline, um, thinning hair, you know, or even, you know, visible patches, it can feel so upsetting. So you share that you noticed your own hair changed as you entered perimenopause. What role, if any, does aging and menopause play in female hair thinning and hair loss? It plays a huge role. Um, we don't know all the reasons why um, hair loss occurs with women. You know, with men, we know it's primarily driven by testosterone. Um, we do know that for women, hormones plays a huge role. Any woman who has had a baby knows how the hair tends to get thicker during pregnancy and then tends to shed after 
different birth controls can affect hair significantly. So we do know hormones play a role. So as our hormones change in the perimenopausal timeframe, our good hormones for hair, our estrogen and progesterone tend to fall. And so with that, unfortunately, so does the hair. Um, and it's a gradual loss. And again, this is the most common cause of hair loss in women. It's the, the, the medical term is called androgenic alopecia. You can tend to have a genetic predisposition to it, as I did. Uh, some women come in and there's nobody in their family to, to talk about um, in terms of hair loss. But uh, for many women, they know it's there. And so you sort of inherited this tendency for it. And then as our hormones change, then um, we start to see those changes occur, usually in the early to mid 40s and then beyond. Okay, so that's one of the most common causes of hair loss. And we're going to, you know, definitely explore um, prevention, treatment, rejuvenation, all of the things that you do at Meditrust. But what would be some of the uncommon causes for women to experience hair loss? Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, we're, and we're seeing more and more of these more rare causes of hair loss, um, one of which gets a fair amount of um, publicity is alopecia areata, which is um, an, an autoimmune type disorder where the hair falls out very aggressively, starts as small circles, but then can progress fairly rapidly to total hair loss. But it's usually patchy. Um, it's gotten more press lately, which I think is a good thing. Um, sure. There are some treatments coming on. Um, is that what Jada it, Pinkett Smith had? Um, yes. Is, yes. Okay. Because yes. we, we all know yeah. the slap hurt around the world. Um, yes. And, uh, you know, no, nobody would um, say that that was a good way to handle that situation. But, you know, it is a very emotional problem and, and women suffer greatly with it. Absolutely. Yeah, um, another type of hair loss we've seen more of is something called a telogen effluvium, which is just shedding. And that's actually what causes the, sh the hair loss after pregnancy. We've seen a lot of it with COVID, um, both due to the stress of COVID as well as the actual illness of COVID um, can cause a lot of shedding. And even the vaccine can cause some temporary shedding as well. So those are those we're seeing more of. Um, a much more rare form is something called scarring alopecia, which... Um, Again, we're seeing more of, which is a bit frightening to me. Again, another autoimmune disorder, which unfortunately destroys the hair follicle fairly quickly and needs very aggressive uh, treatment very quickly. So we're seeing, uh, you know, whether they're just coming more or this is really happening more. I think it's happening more. Um, our lifestyle is crazy. Uh, we live a very stressful life. The last three years have been very difficult for so many of us. And that plays a role in our overall health as well as our hair health. So those are the kinds of things we're seeing on a daily basis. Yeah, that makes so much sense. We do live in a very um, sort of stressed out modern world, and it's not surprising that sort of stress-related hair loss is, is, is increasingly more common. So if a listener right now is thinking, you know, my hair is thinning or, or like my, my, you know, hair, my scalp looks different, my part is different. If somebody wants to get an assessment, what do you recommend? Like, who is your typical patient? Who walks through your door? When, when is it um, the right move for a listener to get a medical evaluation? The minute you notice a change is really when you want to get checked. And up until recently, there wasn't a lot of 
attention brought to this problem, women would talk to their doctors and they would sort of say, well, you know, the, the clinician might say, well, you still have a full head of hair. You have nothing to worry about. When in fact, that's exactly the time that you want to seek attention from someone who is an expert in this field, because we do know the earlier that you seek treatment, the earlier that you get the evaluation and we can determine a cause the greater likelihood of success of all of these treatments that we do for all of these uh, different diseases, um, the sooner you get treatment, the better. So uh, unfortunately, I can't tell you, there are hundreds of women I've met with who have seen three, four, five different clinicians before they walk through my door. And they're frustrated because sometimes it feels like nobody's paying attention or nobody really cares. And it's a very emotional issue. And a lot of times the fear is, What's going to happen to me in 10 years? What am I going to look like in five years? So, you know, the fear is real. And, and that's when you want to seek treatment. And so I would just say to women, don't get discouraged. Find a hair loss expert. That's who you want. And dermatologists can be a good place to start, but a lot of them don't have a lot of a hair loss experience or, you know, it's minimal. And so if, if you don't feel like you've been heard, find somebody else, reach out, uh, do, do your research. And, and the good news is women are doing their research. They begin, you know, they know where to look online. So um, that's, that's, the yeah, that's such great advice. This is great advice for anything beyond hair loss. If, and we've, we've learned this on the show. If you feel like you are not being heard by your doctor when you go in to talk about, you know, painful sex and dry vagina, sleep disruptions, you know, bladder leakage, a whole host of things. You know, there is help out there and you need to work with a specialist who is going to hear you and come armed with tools because most, not most, but many of these things can be mitigated or prevented or, or eased. So Meditress is um, on the Northeast. You have several different locations. I'm, I'm putting links in obviously to the show notes. People can also Google Meditress to find you on the East Coast. But for my listeners who are across the country, um, if they were to hit the Google and look for a specialist, what do you recommend that they look for? Um, they really want to look for um, someone who, you know, their primary practice is is hair related. And the majority of hair loss experts are dermatologists. I am not a certified dermatologist, but I've spent the last 15 years doing research in this field. And um, I will tell you that I know many hair loss specialists throughout the country that we've met at conferences um, and educational programs. And so I, I can refer people to almost every major city in the country. I will tell you during COVID, because of the emergency, I was allowed to see patients out of state. And these rules vary from state to state, but those emergency protocols are gone, so I can't. But I can refer you to people um, outside of the Northeast area who I know are good at what they do and, and really care about it. So I will tell you that if you if you um, live you know not in the Northeast area and you're looking for information and you're not sure about what you're seeing online, you know you can Google, you can email me um, and you will have that information at the end and I can help you find somebody where you live. That's but again, such a gen that's such a generous offer. And I'm, as I said, I'm going to put all of the the links to to you into the show notes, Dr. Wendell. We're heading into a quick break, but when we come back, I want to talk about preventative steps we can take. We're going to explore rejuvenation for women who've had hair loss, and we're even going to talk about um, surgical uh, offerings that exist on the table. We'll be back after this break. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. 
If you had an extra hour in your day, would you use it to head to yoga, take a nap, read a book, hang with a friend, maybe start a podcast? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. I know I do. I have three kids, two jobs, one puppy, and to be honest, a zillion things on my want to get to list. Here's what I've learned. The best way to squeeze something special into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, so it's convenient, flexible, and suited to your busy schedule. Getting started is so easy. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. You can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash a certain age today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash a certain age. Mary, we're back from the break. You went into it with a very generous offer. Listeners who are struggling, who don't have a local doctor can email you, can get on the Meditrust website to learn more. But what, you know, once you're on the Meditrust website, you see that there's a lot of wonderful treatments that you offer people. Let's talk about preventative measures. What are steps that we can take right now to prevent hair loss and thinning? That's a great question. Um, and it's something that's actually near and dear to my heart. Um, one of the biggest concerns that I have right now is nutritional. Um, even um, people who eat a fairly well-balanced, um, not um, processed diet um, and, and whole food diet. Unfortunately, our food nutritionally is very depleted uh, in this country and actually worldwide. So we're not getting the nutrients that we need. And that's one of the things that we do check when women come in. If there's any concern that nutrition is playing a role, and for many women it is, we do check vitamin levels, nutritional levels. That's so important. A good diet, all of that's really important. Um, in terms of um, other things to do to help prevent loss is really be kind to your hair. I can't stress this enough. And um, we see women coming in who have been over-processed, over-bleached, not gone to good salons, not getting their hair cared for properly, using products that are harsh, um, overheated, over-pulled, over-permed, all of those things can lead to hair loss. And you know, during the 90s, I, 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 was a, I was someone who got my hair permed a lot. I have very fine hair and, and I, it looked great, but I wonder now whether or not I might have, you know, harmed myself long term. These, these chemicals are very, very harsh. So be careful about how you take care of your hair. Keep it hydrated. Be gentle. Use a good stylist to, if you're going to have any kind of processing, coloring, anything done. Um, so, because there are certain treatments that can cause permanent loss. So you need to be careful. And again, the most important thing is when you start to see changes, to seek help, not every type of hair loss is going to progress. Some of it is temporary. Some of it is due to illness. Um, we do know like in COVID, any kind of significant illness, you can have shedding and hair loss following that. So a lot of women come in and it really is a temporary issue and they're reassured to know that there are things that they can do to help it come back. So, um, you know, those are a few of the things that we, we do recommend. But Mary, again, Mary, what about hairstyles? I'm thinking particularly of my sister-in-law who has beautiful thick hair and for many years wore it back in a ponytail and was starting to see like almost like pulling along her scalp hairline. And I know that, um, you know, the African-American community wears, you know, braids sometimes, which does pulling. Have you seen hair loss related to a choice of hairstyle? 
Absolutely. It's very common. Um, I tell my my granddaughters, look on the television when you see, for instance, um, gymnasts, athletes, women athletes, um, you know, like when they pull their hair back, ballerinas, when your hair is pulled back day after day after day, it does put a strain on the hair follicles. And there's something called traction alopecia, where you actually lose the hair in the frontal hairline from the constant daily pulling. Um, yes, tight braids, um, cornrows, dreadlocks, um, all of those things, if it's done day after day after day with no relief, it does pull on those hairs and you will get some damage to the follicles. Usually, um, if it's if it's brought to our attention early, we can treat and get some regrowth. There is a time limit to that, though. I, you know, I tell people if you know if after ten years you've been missing hair from a particular area, it's going to be tough to get it back. Not impossible, but but more of a challenge. So yes, those hairstyles can play a role. And so you know, women who need to have their hair pulled back um, because of what they do for a living. When you get home, let it down, release it, take the pressure and the tension off of those hairs that are being pulled tight every single day. And what role does scalp massage play in uh, releasing tension and also helping your hair follicles? Because I know that's one of the treatments you offer in your um, you know, facilities. Yes, um, there's actually two parts to that. One is the massage itself brings um, the blood supply to the scalp, which is always very nourishing and, and, and healthy, but it also releases dead tissue to the scalp. Um, it releases dry flakiness and allows the scalp to be healthy uh, and, and to be clean. And unfortunately, there's sort of this trend right now, which is kind of fascinating, um, of people sort of being afraid to shampoo and, and shampooing less. And so um, some you can get buildup on the scalp. And then when that happens, the follicles get clogged and you, you don't grow a healthy hair. So you do need to clean that off and massage also helps with that. Yeah, we do a scalp cleanse in the office and we do clean off the scalp and we do a sort of a massage at the same time. And it's incredibly healthy for your scalp and it does encourage better hair growth. Yeah, I love, I lo first of all, and, and, and by the way, it's so delightful. Who does not want their <laughs> scalp to massage? It's absolutely wonderful. But, by the way, I, I, as we as we all know, I just had two haircuts within the last five days. So I had two scalp massages and hair washes, right. and it's always the best part of the trip to the salon. It is. So it's these great. are some smart preventative things. Um, you know, be be kind to your hair, right? Be careful of the, the, the chemicals, the bleaches. Uh, make smart choices about your hairstyle if there's too much time hugging, scalp massages, good nutrition, supplements. These are all preventative steps. Let's mm -hmm. talk about rejuvenation, right? Because yeah. I know that when hair loss occurs, you know, when that, 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 um, that widening part has happened, your hairline has receded, you have these patches that you refer to, you offer multiple treatments. Uh, I saw platelet-rich plasma therapy, um, optimal platelet concentration, low-level laser therapy, something called painless PRP, which caught my eye because I'm into painless things. Yes. Uh, I want to learn about each, but what would be the number one treatment you find that you're consistently offering patients? Um, that's a really good question. And I have to say, first and foremost, the most important thing is getting the correct diagnosis. And, and that can only be done through a thorough history and physical. Um, this is a medical diagnosis. Yeah, it, it, so again, uh, the vast majority of our patients have androgenic or age and hormonally related hair loss. But even our patients that have the more complicated stuff 
the treatment depends on the diagnosis. So once we have the treatment, some of the treatment, op excuse me, once we have the diagnosis, some of the treatment options, some of them are going to sound familiar. Um, I do recommend minoxidil, which is what people think about as being Rogaine. Um, fortunately, um, we are now using oral minoxidil, very, very low dose, incredibly well tolerated. It does help stimulate regrowth. And I think it's gotten a bad rap for many, many decades because people expect too much of it, but it does help. And One do you the... do it topical, topically as well? Because you said you recommend oral. Yes. That makes me think there's another option. What would that there be? There is topical. Yes, absolutely. Um, we actually have our own formulation, which um, has nutrients in it as well as other um, medicines to help the minoxidil be absorbed better. It's really interesting because about 50% of the population has a genetic, I'm not going to say defect, but a genetic marker that makes it harder for minoxidil to do its work. And so if you're one of those 50%, um, sometimes you need a little extra boost, whether it's from a different formulation or adding minoxidil orally as well as topically. Again, it's a very individual treatment plan. So we and do you we, test for that marker before you prescribe? We don't. Okay. Um, you you can get it tested. There are you know there are tests out there that can be done. Um, I, you know, just from treating patients, you can kind of get a feel for for who's who's uh, having difficulty with it and and gotcha. who's having a great response. So. Um, it doesn't, we're still going to use it, even though we know that it may not work quite as well, but it does pretty much work for everybody. But again, it varies in terms of, of how much it works. Okay. And so this is minoxidil or, or, or you know, over-counter name Rogaine um, mm -hmm. is something that's used for age-related hair loss. Is that correct? It's used for every type of hair loss. Every and type. the reason that I say that is um, it stimulates hair growth. And it doesn't really matter what the diagnosis is, it can stimulate hair growth. And so like the women who have traction alopecia along the frontal hairline, it will help stimulate some regrowth there. Some of the alopecia areatas, the scarring, and, and again, the more common androgenic or age-related hormonally hair loss works very well for that as well. So it works across the board. And, and again, it's it's gotten a bad rap because people expect too much of it, but it, we use it in combination with other treatments. It rarely is a standalone treatment. Gotcha. It, it's a supportive treatment. And all of these treatments work better together than they do individually. And that's been proven with, with research. So um, it sounds a bit like, you know, a sales pitch, like, oh, if you do more, it's going to work better. But in fact, it's based on science. So we do know they're additive. And you know, I tell my patients, it's like if you have, you know, high blood pressure and one medicine helps but doesn't help enough, you sometimes have to add a second. So it's, again, that's sort of our philosophy. We know that more works better. But we, we start simple. And so, yes, minoxidil is part of that treatment plan. Low-level laser therapy is something that's been around for a, a couple of decades, but there wasn't a lot of research to back it until about 10 to 12 years ago. And we're talking about very low level. It's a cold laser. It's not a burning laser. It's not removing tissue. You know, a lot of people know about hair removal laser. We know about skin resurfacing lasers. That's not what this is. It's very low level. It's painless. It's and what does it do? What 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 effect is it producing? It actually stimulates regrowth. It actually it, what I call it like the the fuel for the furnace. Um, it, it's energy that gets absorbed into the hair follicle cells and stimulates them to work better. And so it, it actually does help to regrow. It helps you grow a better quality hair and it can help you grow more hair. Again, is it this huge change? No, but it is a visible change. And it takes about, I'm going to say nine to 12 months to see the full benefit of that. 
Studies have shown that the combination of minoxidil plus laser does increase growth for about five years, and then it kind of le- levels off, and it keeps you there for quite a long time. That's again, fantastic. Five. So, so th- th- would you do this again in five years? Like, do another nine to twelve month? Um, it's a continuous treatment. It's continuous. Not, it's something you have to stick with continuously. Okay. And that's that's a big that's a big message that needs to be out there. This is we cannot cure these hair loss problems, we can treat them. And so the treatment is continual. It's a commitment. Gotcha. And so um, you have to stick with it. And if you, you you use these products and you're getting a benefit and you decide, well, I'm tired of doing it, you're going to lose the benefit. So you, you really have to commit to it. And it's not a big commitment. It, it really isn't. Using the laser takes about 30 minutes, 20 to 30 minutes every other day. There are newer lasers that don't take quite as long. So again, it works. It's painless. Um, I use my laser while I'm sitting in bed reading before I go to sleep. It's, oh, you know, I love this. So we can you can do it in the office and at home. Is that correct? It's something you actually purchase and do at home. That's great. The lasers that were originally in office, nobody really uses those anymore because it's so inconvenient. You can just do it at home. That, we, we are all about convenience. So I love that. Okay. So, But some of these other options, I'm assuming, are done at the office. Yes. The PRP treatments are done in the office. And what and are they? Tell me. Yeah. PRP is platelet-rich plasma, um, fancy term meaning that circulating within our own blood supply are growth factors that our body uses to heal damaged tissue. So um, they circulate around with the platelets, which is a certain type of blood cell. And when um, when we need them for injury, the platelets go there and they bring those growth factors with them. Interestingly enough, the growth factors can go to any type of cell or tissue in your body and 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 produce healing and growth. Somebody somewhere down the line decided to try this for different types of tissues and have found that um, indeed you take those growth factors and you place them where you need them. And in our situation, it's hair follicles and it does stimulate the hair to grow better and to to get some regrowth of follicles that have stopped growing. So, um, And so how do you actually place them? Walk us through what this means. Is it like a cap on your head? Is it, what are we, what's happening? So basically you have a blood test, just like any kind of blood test. And we take a certain amount of blood and we spin it down and the blood gets layered out and the layers have different types of cells in it. So we remove the tissue, the layer that has the platelets in it and all those growth factors. And traditionally um, the way it was placed into the scalp was through injections. And we still have a few patients that do it that way. Um, That's where most of the research has come from. Um, And you need you need a minimum of three treatments once a month for three treatments. And then we wait six to nine months to see what type of benefit you're going to get from it. And it does work and it does increase hair counts. It does increase hair widths. The pro, it prolongs the growth phase of your hair, hair strands. Typically your, your, your hair will grow for a certain number of years and then fall out. As we age, that growth cycle shortens, but with PRP, it prolongs it again. So it has many, many benefits. It improves and it grows not just the, 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 the um, cells around the follicle, but it grows better um, circulation, better blood vessels, better supporting tissue. All of those growth factors treat all those different types of, of cells around the hair follicle to, to support better growth. In the last two to three years, we've been offering what's called painless PRP, which I you know, initially we weren't sure. <laughs> I, I, um, first of all, I, it's such a genius, painless PRP. I love it. It's such a genius it, marketing. It 
it's 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 really um, changed the way we do PRP for more than ninety percent of our patients. Um, it's it uses a very high intensity what's called a, a jet peel, a high intensity flow uh, of the of the PRP liquid, and it and it actually gets absorbed into the skin to the level of the hair follicle. And so without using a needle, this incredibly high intensity, I can't even, I don't even know, you know, the, the term that's used for measuring that, but it's so intense that it allows the, the fluid to get into the scalp to the hair follicle without using a needle. And so- um, And it produces the same kind of effect that you're going to have in six to nine yes. months, you're going to see that, 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 you know, visible increase. Yes, it's it's when we first heard about this, we weren't sure if it was going to work as well. We are totally convinced that it does. We are. I'm so impressed with the results that we're getting. And um, again, to be able to offer it painlessly. I mean, before, you know, what the the process of utilizing the needles was, you'd have to actually numb the scalp because the number of injections that are required for scalp PRP are, are pretty, pretty numerous. And so We'd initially have to numb the scalp, and we have very well-trained clinicians who can do it as painlessly as possible, but it can't be painless. So you numb the scalp, and then and then you uh, utilize the needle method. And the, the numbness, like when you go to the dentist, will last four or five hours and then wear off. And following all those multiple needle injections, it can be very tender for several days, and there can be some swelling and some bruising. With the painless, there's none of that. And so you literally sit there like you're getting your hair washed and, um, you know, 40 minutes later, you walk out the door and your scalp's a little wet, but there's no swelling. There's no pain. Um, there really truly is no pain. It sounds fabulous. So a, a very quick, it's, very quick it, it, question. Can this be used on eyebrows? Can this be used on eyebrows? Do you do any work on eyebrows? Um, we, we actually do not, um, Eyebrows are tricky um, because they're so close to the eye and you do have to be careful. Mm -hmm. um, there are medications that can help eyebrows, eyebrows grow better. And we sort of rely on those more than PRP. Gotcha. Um, I know people that have some clinicians who have, who have done PRP on eyebrows, but again, so long as the, um, it's like a Latisse, as long as that is available and, and works well, we tend to stick with that for eyebrows. Okay. And so let's talk a little bit about hair transplants. Now, is yeah. this something that's sort of a last gasp kind of option? Or is this something that's like a sort of a first option for people? Who is a candidate for a hair transplant and how does that work? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, up until, you know, 10 years ago, there wasn't a lot, 10 to 12 years ago, there wasn't a lot to offer women for hair loss. And so women were coming in looking for hair transplants and women have a it's harder to do a good procedure on a woman for a couple of reasons. One is primarily expectation. Women want more. They want the hair close. It's <laughs> true. They want, want they want two haircuts in one week because they want exactly. it to look right. <laughs> yeah, I want it to look great. So anyway, so, uh, you know, yes, women can have hair transplants. It's not that they can't. It's what are your what are the expectations? And that's true for any type of treatment. We we ask the, the, the women, what is your expectations? What are you looking for? If you're looking for your hair to have the same density it had 20 years ago, hair transplant cannot do that. But in a woman who has, you know, fairly pronounced thinning and in some areas, sadly, some balding, if they haven't had treatment uh, and, and they've waited a long time, hair transplants can sometimes be an option even still to this day. 
And so we're a bit more selective about who who gets who gets hair transplants recommended for them. But it, you also also need to have really good donor hair, meaning you have to have hair somewhere on your scalp which is thick and healthy, which can be then removed and placed uh, where you need you know the hair to to, to be filled in. So it, you know we're much because we have these other options. Um, we're much more selective about who who should get a hair transplant. It's not that we don't do it, and and sometimes women you know, do these other things in addition to a hair transplant. We oftentimes do PRP with transplants. A lot of the men are getting PRP plus transplants. So again, it's not out of the realm of possibility to have a hair transplant for a woman. It's just we're much more selective because we have much more options, many more options to offer. Right. That makes uh, a lot of sense. And having that one-two punch, I think probably, you know, I, I can see why that that's smart. Uh, we are nearing the end of our time. We're going to be heading into a speed round uh, shortly. But before we do, I want to touch on two areas. Uh, what role, if any, does HRT um, play in hair loss or, or you know, preventing hair loss? Do you have any information to share with us? I do. And in fact, um, I did a whole webinar on HRT and hair loss. So if someone's looking for some in-depth uh, information on that, we do have our webinars on our website. But I will just sort of summarize that and say, um, we do know that hormones play a huge role in menopausal hair loss. And so, you know, the, the obvious question arises, well, should I use HRT for my hair? And, and the answer to that question is a little tricky because I think with any medication, you have to weigh benefits versus risk. There's a lot of benefits to HRT. And I think it's important for women to go to a specialist who, like, I won't prescribe it, but I, if I feel someone might benefit from it, I encourage them to see somebody who prescribes it a lot. And um, HRT can be a combination of estrogen, progesterone, and sometimes testosterone. A lot of women like testosterone because it makes them feel stronger and helps develop muscles. But we do know testosterone can, can drive hair loss. So I tell women, please do not use testosterone. There are some uh, hormone experts out there that are saying that testosterone can be good for hair, but I will tell you, there's no hair loss expert on the planet who believes testosterone is good for hair. But estrogen and progesterone can help. Now, um, again, HRT is not for everybody. And so for women for whom it is, it is deemed safe and can have other benefits as well, it can help with hair loss. Uh, we do know that there are many women who particularly have had breast cancer that are on hormone blockers uh, long-term for their breast cancer prevention of, of recurrence. And unfortunately, those you know hormone blockers, those estrogen blockers do accelerate hair loss. So we do treat those women as well. So hormones plays a role. HRT can be beneficial. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. I love, first of all, this is so useful. Uh, uh, interesting about the testosterone link. I'm going to encourage anyone who wants to know more to to check out Dr. Wendell's webinar on her website. But this brings me to the second point I wanted to ask you about. First was HRT. The second, and we've sort of just sort of segued into it naturally, is the link between cancer and hair loss. You know, yeah. um, it sounds like uh, being on a hormone blocker can accelerate hair loss. Obviously, having cancer treatments can cause hair loss. Um, this is an issue for women who, who experience a variety of different types of breast cancers. You know, what, what can you offer somebody who is experiencing cancer-related hair loss? Yes, this is a wonderful question. I'm glad you brought it up. Um, you know, the good news about cancer treatments is that more people, men and women, are surviving. And, um, and so what does that mean in terms of hair? And, you know, 
People say, well, you survived your cancer. Why are you concerned about your hair? These women come in in droves. And again, it's it's like you say, you you look, you get up in the morning and you look in the mirror and you want to feel like yourself. And I had one breast cancer survivor say to me, you know, in tears saying, you know, uh, my friends and family say, we're so happy that you've in remission, probably cured. Why are you so worried about your hair? And she said to me, every morning she looks in the mirror and she sees her hair being thin and not growing back the same way that it was. And it reminds her that she had breast cancer. And and so it's it's hard for her to look in the mirror every morning. And so, yes, there are there are some preventative treatments with the, the um, the cool caps that that some of the oncologists are using, there can be some benefit from that. But after the fact, I would say up to 40 to 50% of people who've had hair loss from their cancer treatments um, are not going to get full recovery. Many do, but but many don't. And, and for breast cancer survivors, many of them are put on hormone blockers, which unfortunately prevents their hair regrowth from being full like it was before. So we do treat them. You know, obviously we can't treat them with HRT, but we treat them with minoxidil. We treat them with laser. We treat them with PRP and they do get benefit. And that includes women who've had, for instance, um, radiation therapy to their scalp or, or brain. You know, I have a young patient who's now uh, in college. She had brain tumor when she was very young, lost most of her hair. A lot of it didn't grow back. And we've had phenomenal success getting some regrowth for her. And she feels more like a normal teenager now. And, and she said, I'm not the kid who has cancer anymore. I have, you know, she has thinner hair than she had, but at least she has full scalp coverage and she's so delighted. And so we do offer treatments and, um, and a lot of support. I mean, a, a lot of emotional support. And so uh, there is treatment. It's important. And again, it's important that a woman who is undergoing chemotherapy or about to undergo chemotherapy, we have women come in who are just starting their treatments. And there's some things we can't do during treatment, but there are some things that actually can happen during their chemotherapy treatments. So um, so again, beautiful we- that you offer these options. And I'm so delighted that that young woman was able to to, to feel better about herself. Anyone who's yeah. listening to this who has, you know, experienced cancer-related hair loss or has somebody in their life who is worrying about this, it's, you know, I think the, the we have to spread the the news to people that there, there are solutions out there and treatments because it makes such yeah. an enormous difference. Dr. Wendell, your work is so important. Um, and I'm so grateful that you came on the show today to talk about it. We are moving into our speed round because our time Ooh. is coming to an end. This is just very simple one to two word answers. Sure. Um, and so let's do this thing. Okay. Launching Metatress was? Totally unexpected. <laughs> <laughs> we love an unexpected uh, third act. Okay. What's a food choice we can make that's good for our hair? Um, good quality protein. And it doesn't have to be meat. Nice. Good quality protein, very important for hair. Nice. Okay. Surprise. This vitamin or supplement is a hair care superhero. Mmm. Trying to think of one. Um, you can throw a couple. We could add more to one to our card. I, I, people are going to be surprised to hear this. Vitamin D is very important. Okay. The B vitamins are very important. All right. Bs and Ds. Okay. Yep. Thickening shampoos. Do they work? Yes or no? They make your hair look thicker. They don't make it grow thicker. Okay. All right. Does shampooing hair every day cause hair loss? Yes or no? No. Daily scalp massages at home. Yes or no? Oh, lovely. Yes. (laughs) 
Sounds divine. Hot or cold water to shampoo? I'm going to say warm. Oh, okay. Right in the middle. Uh, daily blow drying or flat irons? Yes or no? Oh, I am so guilty of this. Um, <laughs> absolutely, I would say no. Um, but when you have fine, thin hair, it's a little tough making body without it. But no. <laughs> All right. No, but yeah, exactly. Sometimes sometimes we, we make choices that, uh, you know, make us feel like our hair. We got to live with it. <laughs> we got to live with our bad choices and our shiny, gorgeous hair. All right. Finally, what's your one word answer to complete the sentence? As I age, I feel... I just feel more thoughtful and more contemplative. Very nice. Um, Thank you so much, Mary. This was so informative, so needed. Before we say goodbye, how can our listeners find you, your work, and Meditress? Yeah, our website is meditress.com. If you have questions for the practice, you can just email us info at meditress.com. Um, the other contact information, um, I think is, you're going to provide that, but, um, my personal email is mwendell at meditrust.com. I try to answer all of my personal emails is within a week. Um, I get a lot. So I ask people to be patient. That is a lovely, wonderful, generous offer. Thank you, Dr. Wendell. This wraps a certain age, a show for women who are aging without apology. Want to hear more stories of women making the most of midlife? Come follow the podcast sister account over on Instagram. You can find it at Let's Age Out Loud. Have a story you want to share? We would love to feature you. Please head to Let's Age Out Loud to submit your story at the link in bio. Special thanks to Michael Mancini, who composed and produced our theme music. See you next time. And until then, age boldly, beauties. Beauties.